We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ladies and gents, boys and girls, what's going on? Thursday, October the 27th, 2022. Hope you're all doing well. Chris Phillips here. Of the Daily Crow, of the Spurs Up show, very excited to chat with each and every single one of you here on this Thursday. I see Lady Bree, Connor, Justin, Chicken Ham, Jonathan Lee, Chuck, Chase Orvin, Cody Gaskins, Rebecca. What's going on? Jay Morris. Appreciate y'all tuning in. Also, those in the Big Cock Club Discord, head over to the TDC Questions channel. The TDC Questions channel. Be sure your questions are answered there, guys. We are taking your questions, your comments, and your calls, 843-790-3377. That's 843-790-3377. Guys, as you can tell, I'm very fired up here on this Thursday. Just excited, man. We're a day clo- we're a day closer to kickoff. I'll be recording tomorrow's podcast basically immediately after this. Uh, and I'm very optimistic and excited for this. Pumped to get back out to see with you all and then get back into Wiggins Bryce Stadium. We just had a call come in. Somebody tried to call and they hung up immediately. So if you'd like to call back in, um, somebody says Facebook is down. Facebook is down. It shouldn't be. Um, it shouldn't be. Somebody says Facebook is down. I have no idea. That's weird. Okay. So Facebook doesn't feel like we should be rocking today. I don't know. I mean, we had it scheduled for Facebook. I, I don't know what to tell you, Travi. Hunter, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing good. What about you? I am doing well. Appreciate you tuning in. What's up, man? That's good. Uh, yeah, so I, this is kind of unrelevant, but it, it's not like uh, – it's kind of it's kind of sports football, but mm-hmm. um, I'm wondering who, who – so every time there's a press conference with uh, Shane Beamer, who, who's that girl on the media that laughs every single minute when she talks? I'd I be honest with you, Hunter. I have no idea. <laughs> I, have, I have no clue. <laughs> yeah, I like, have gosh. no idea. Like, she seems like she don't take nothing serious. I don't know what it is, but, like – I don't know who it is or anybody. Like every time she asks a question, like after she asks a question, she will start laughing. I'm like, "What the hell's going on?" Yeah, but, I, yeah, I, I don't could, know. I, I couldn't tell you. I know, I know it's unrelevant, but I, just, I figured you know. I have, yeah, I have no but clue. That's Sorry. All, yeah, no problem. That, that's all I needed. I appreciate it, Hunter. Thanks so much for the call. 
Yeah, take care. Sorry, I'm just getting the link on Facebook for all our, I'm sure our Facebook peeps are like, what in the world's going on? I don't know. I don't know why Facebook just, yeah, tell Rebecca, tell Facebook to kiss our ass. Why not? Again, those tune to the podcast version, by the way. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Of course, TDC drops every single day at 3 o'clock on our TSUS podcast feed. Uh, you can hear the full show there. If you want to go back and listen, you want to hear any of our interviews, uh, you got it. It looks like Facebook might be having trouble posting. Too. Facebook might just be down as a whole because uh, it looks like I can't even post anything. It's not even posting right now. It's not even posting the, the post. I, I don't know. I don't either way. Again, appreciate you all tuning in. Really, again, we probably just need to migrate this show from Facebook strictly to YouTube. I, I don't know. We'll figure that out. I normally like having it on Facebook because the show does numbers on Facebook. Anyways, though, uh, of course, as always, guys, the Daily Crow brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. When you do use the promo code TSUS at sign up, you're going to receive 100% deposit match up to. $100. And guys, it's all about prop plays. You can play anything and everything from college sports, NFL, NHL, NBA, MLB, you name it. They have got it. And so many listeners and fans of TSUS have made tons of money with our friends at Price Picks. Go download the app or go to pricepicks.com. Use the promo code TSUS at sign up. You're going to receive a 100% deposit match up to $100. Guys, again, be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from the Spurs Up show sent you. Uh, again, love to hear from you. 843-790-3377. We do have J.C. Sherbert joining us at 115. J.C. Sherbert will join us at 115 to break down everything that happened against Texas A&M and look ahead to this weekend's game against the Missouri Tigers. And guys, like I said, I'm feeling confident. I feel good. Um, I understand the challenges. I know there are a lot of reasons to look at this game and be, I don't want to say concerned, but look at it with a critical eye. Obviously, Mizzou has, um, you know, Mizzou has played good football at times. We saw what they did against Georgia. Uh, Their three SEC losses have come by pretty close margins. So, you know, Mizzou is not going to be some walk in the park, right? It's not going to be some easy game. But at the same time, I like the way South Carolina is playing. I like what I'm seeing from the Gamecocks. It's a team that's finding ways to win. And, again, I'll talk about that more um, on the podcast that will drop tomorrow, of course. So, anyways, um, guys, like I said, I don't, I don't know what the deal is. I don't know what the deal is with Facebook right now. I really don't. I don't know what the deal is with Facebook. Um, let's see. I'll try to post this again. I don't know. Facebook's not even letting me post anything. So there might be a lot of folks who need to go back and listen to today's TDC. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know because we're missing about a, a third of our norm, normal viewership that tunes in here. We're missing about a third of our viewership. Um, let's see. Lady Bree says, anybody starting the day off with fire sack comments at this point just needs to find some joy in life yeah i mean listen it, it, it's that's that's the number one concern going in the game is uh is the offense but it's so funny like i went on jc and and phil's show inside the gamecocks and i appreciate them having me on but it's so funny i was i was reading i was reading the comments and of course like the entire i i think at this point 
I, I don't know. I, I just I think at this point, there's some people that it's why folks like Colin Cowherd and Stephen A. Smith and and folks like that are extremely, and I mean extremely successful in the national sports realm. And I'm not knocking them at all. I, I think those guys do a fantastic job doing what they do, and I understand where they're coming from. But there's some people, the only way they can talk sports is if they're they're debating or bantering something almost negative. I, I don't know if negative is the right word, but unless they're debating or bantering something, right? I mean, it is Thursday of Carolina Mizzou week, and we've still got people just endlessly like the horse is dead and people just continue to beat it constantly, constantly, every single day, every single day. I mean, it's like there are other facets of the game to talk about, but nobody wants to talk about it, right? It's all about Sat. Every single freaking day it's about Marcus Satterfield. Every day. And I'm not saying you're wrong for it, but it's like, I mean, it's just the same thing. Let's talk about Carolina Mizzou. Let's talk about this football game. I'll tell you this, by the way, sellout going into Saturday. Kudos. Kudos to Gamecock Nation. Kudos to Gamecock Nation. A sellout yet again will be a packed, raucous environment. Will be a packed, raucous environment. And I'm looking forward to it. And I understand, Chase, the O is what's, we're not, we're not meeting expectations. We're not meeting our potential. I, I understand. I mean, the O is holding us back from what, though? We're five and two. I thought the offense would be good, and I thought we'd be four and three at this point. So, you know what I mean? Like, I, I understand what you're saying. I, I'm not disagreeing. I'm, I'm just saying, though, that it's like every day the, the commentary from some folks is, is just people, people just want to debate sad every day. And I'm like, I'd like to give it a rest for 10 minutes. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just, I, I mean, I'm not, listen, I, I I told you guys after Texas A&M that the win is great. I'm on cloud nine. I'm giddy. And I can still also acknowledge that for the long-term health and success of the program that most likely, yes, I think we need to make a change at OC after the season. Yes, I, I, I agree with that 110%. I'm not sitting here obviously leading the fire sat train because – we're winning. It doesn't call for that, right? I mean, I've had I've had fire sat merch. I've had fire sat merch sitting in pending for our online store since the week of the Kentucky game, guys. I've had fire sat merch chilling. And a lot of you have hit me up like, drop it. We need it. We need it. I'm just not gonna be the guy to drop that type of merch when we're winning. I'm I'm not doing that. You know, I'm I'm not doing that. I'm just not doing that. I, you know, winning is fun. Winning is winning is great for all of us. It's great for business. It's great for my life. It's great for all of our lives. Winning is fun. And I'm not going to put a damper on winning with the fire sat merch, right? So, you know, I, 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 I will just say this going in, and I know a lot of folks look at, which, again, those who are tuning in from Facebook are not – you're not on Facebook, obviously. Those tuning in that normally tune in on Facebook, I, I do apologize. I, I don't know why Facebook is down today. Um, I'm not sure what is going on with Facebook. I can't even post the – oh, here we go. 
Okay, it looks like it just posted the link. It just posted the link to Facebook. There we go. We'll jump to the phone lines in the meantime. Chase, what's up, man? How are you? Hey, man. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I was currently just uh, tuned in. Uh, decided I wanted to call in real quick since, you know, um, to all the people who want who, uh, you know, including myself, that, you know, talk about fire and Satterfield, I apologize. This is my first time tuning in. I've been at work all week, man, so I didn't even realize that this talk's been going on. Like, even now, I understand it's been going on previously, but it's just, you know, this morning I woke up, man, I'm looking at the stats and, you know, how we're doing. And, you know, I, I, the only good stat I saw, man, that I'm looking forward to hoping seeing continues Brady Cook's away touchdown interception ratio. I'm hoping we had two more with Cam Smith or DQ or Darius Rush, man. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy get splits, man. But, um, zero, zero touchdowns, five man, picks I, on the I, road. I, so. but, but to the people that keep talking about Fireside of the Field, which is me, um, I think I just worry. We worry, man, that, you know, if, if you know, the talk stops and the people in charge feel like, you know, okay, maybe the chatter's gone away. He's doing an adequate enough job. And the bar is set too low for him that to, you know, he stay with this team. And like I said, you know, we score forty five or I would say yeah, I'd say it's about thirty plus against Mizzou and we beat either Clemson or Tennessee. Mm. I actually wouldn't mind him coming back. But right now, you know, we almost lost a game against a team we'd never beaten that we had seventeen up on because our O C decided to throw three straight passes on the five yard line. Mm. That's unacceptable, man. And I'm not that's I'm not that's not a shot of you or anyone. I'm just saying like, you know, I I don't even I don't think, you know, B Mac or any of those other guys, Mike Bobo as much as I did not like him for for uh ditching us, you know, those guys even seem more adequate than Satterfield at this point, man. You know, and it's you know, it frustrates us. You know, it feels like when we have things right on two out of three facets of the ball, we always have that one spot that's always just lacking. That's always just behind. That's not doing what they need to do, and it's and it's not even just they're not playing excellent. They're mm. playing terribly. Yeah. And we did score when we needed to score, and I'm thankful we beat Texas A&M. I am. I am. I I I sat there. I, I had me some lattes, and you know, I passed out in bed, and you know, I, I was I was happy. I, I was a beautiful morning that next morning. The birds were awake, and the sun was up, man, and I was I was happy as hell. Mm. But. To say that we can't jump to nine and three and ten and two next, you know, if we were to have the same roster, if we didn't have a better OC, is, you know, looking at how we're doing, you know, we could. We got an amazing home field advantage right now, selling out almost every game. We got a defense that's, you know, looking crazy right now. They they got everyone, they got mostly everyone back. Our special teams is third in the in the country. There ain't nothing. The limit's unreal, man. Yeah. No, I mean, listen. I, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I said that. I was just gonna say, I said the same thing during eight and two, man. I mean, I was as frustrated as anybody. It was, it was abysmal to watch offensively. Um, and, but I, but I, I, I feel confident that Beamer knows that. Beamer's not a fool. You know what I mean? Like he, he knows we need to be nor- more. I know, I know that. I'm not, I'm and not like, and like, he's Beamer. not, wanna... he's not going to fire Satterfield today, tomorrow, next week. It's it's gonna be after the season if anything happens, you know what I mean. So it's like I it's, and I, yeah. But I mean, I'm not, I'm not, no, I'm not knocking anybody for calling. I, I just, I'm in a good mood today. I'm in a good mood. 
there's a lot more to yeah, talk about when it comes yeah, to this game than down. I understand what yeah, you're saying. I just I, I feel like it's almost like some fans are allowing their disdain of Satterfield to just ruin the entire thing when it's like I I don't know. I yeah, I think we all know. Fine. We all know what need at, at least I guess we know what the problem is. We we know what it is. I I just there yeah, ain't no question what the problem is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're not a you're not I a bad you, fan for calling for, for Sat's job. It's just like it's wild to me that it's like it's Thursday of game week against Mizzou, and like we are still okay. having the same combo we had Monday. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, it, it, I, the banter, I get it. Yeah, the beauty's in the banter, I get it. I got you, man. All right, well, I'm gonna head out, man. I appreciate you taking the call. All right. Yeah, Chase, I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Always good stuff. And again, Chase, obviously part of the Big Cock Club. I appreciate Chase. And listen, this show's for you guys. We can talk about whatever you like. But, uh, you know, there's three phases of the game. And I, I, I will say this again. I, I, think, uh, I think one of the interesting things about this ball game, you know, folks, there, there's two sides. There's always two ways to look at things, right? There's, there's always different perspectives. But people come in this game, and, and, and I think on one hand, right, you feel like, okay, at some point, your defense and special teams are not going to make these big game-changing plays. And it's going to be, we'll say, even in those two facets of the game, right? And your offense, right, we all agree, is going to have to pick you up at some point. When that time comes, will they be able to do it, right? That is a very fair concern when it comes to this football team. On the other side, looking at this game specifically, people bring that mindset and mentality into it. And they say, man, look at Mizzou. You know, they, they, they've been stingy defensively, which they have. They've been really close in their SEC games, which they have. And they're just a couple plays away, and they're sneaky good. Well, guys, I, I look at Mizzou as like they're finding ways to lose. They're finding ways to lose. Probably could have, should have lost a Vandy. They're finding ways to lose. Carolina is finding ways to win. It's hard for me to knock a football team that is simply just finding ways to win week in, week out. We all want the offense to be better. I wish we had Tennessee's offense. I wish we were scoring 50 a game, right? But, and I don't think anybody obviously is going to apologize for us finding ways to win in the meantime while we're figuring out the offensive side. And so when you look at a game like this this weekend, I mean, who do you side with? You know, I've seen people in our Big Cock Club Discord that are picking Missouri to win the game. And, hey, I respect all predictions and all opinions because, hey, guess what? If defense and special teams are even and it really just does come down to your offense, that could spell trouble. But are you going to side with the Gamecocks at home who all they've done is find ways to win the last two weeks or side with Mizzou who especially on the road but in SEC play, they just find ways to lose. I don't know. I, I just, you know, again, I, I'm just, I know all, like all we talk about is offense. All people want to talk about is offense, but defense and special teams do matter. They do. Beamer ball to the freaking moon. And Chase Orbit says, you'll feel a lot different if the L versus Mizzou comes because of our offense. 
I think, hey, Chase, listen, if we lose, we're having a totally different conversation next week. Winning cures all. Listen, there's no doubt. I'm, I'm not naive enough and ignorant enough to not acknowledge. Winning cures all. If you've lost, hey, if you had lost to A&M and you had 286 yards of offense, are we not having a totally different combo? We have. We, 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 we are. We are. We're having a totally different conversation. I, I get that. I, I understand that. I get that. I don't know. Do you guys feel like South Carolina is a little bit of smoke and mirrors right now? Is that what y'all are feeling like? There's a lot of jaded Gamecocks in this chat, man. A lot of jaded Gamecocks in this chat. A lot of jaded Gamecocks. You know, I I don't want to spoil my prediction. I've already got my prediction locked in. Now, and Chase, I'd say this. Chase says, yeah, our defense and special teams can't keep bailing us out. I'm glad we've won, but we're extremely lucky to be where we are. Bailing us out. I mean, right, right. I would say this. Mizzou has to score to beat us also, right? I think one, and you look at how Mizzou's been offensively. Guys, they haven't been good. They haven't been good. They've been bad. They've been very bad offensively. Hey, guys, I saw a stat. I saw a stat, I think yesterday. I think maybe Saturday on South posted it. Red zone efficiency. We're like 12th, right? Mizzou is dead last. Mizzou is dead last. For Mizzou to have the type of offensive day, let me paint this picture. I think for Missouri to have the type of offensive day to beat you, because they're going to have to score. They're going to have to score. One of three things will have to happen. Number one, you are so porous offensively, you're turning the football over. You're giving Missouri short fields. Number two, which, number two, Missouri actually wins the special teams facet of the game. They get a couple big returns. They block a punt. Something of that nature. Number three, your defense plays probably its worst game of the season. And Mizzou just has an unexpected offensive outburst. The odds that one of those things happens is unlikely. The odds that two of them happen is extremely unlikely. And the odds that all three happens is flat out impossible. So, I think you should feel confident. I, I'm just saying this, guys. I, I, I guess that, again, I may, maybe I'm drinking Kool-Aid. Maybe I'm maybe I'm letting my fandom get to me. I mean, I, I, I see things very black and white. I see things for what they are, not what I want them to be. But South Carolina, guys, the cocks are hot, man. The cocks are hot. The cocks are hot. And so, it's like, it, it's... Again, I, I don't blame anyone for having concerns about the offense coming in this game. I, I really don't. I understand where you're coming from. The offense has to play better. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. But does it not also give you a shot of confidence to think like, bro, we're not even playing well offensively and we are winning. We're finding ways to win in the offense. Guys, do you realize we're averaging 23 points per game against Power 5 opponents? That's not good. It's not good in case you're wondering. It's not good. 23 offensive points. Just points per game against Power 5 teams. And Hunter, once again. Hunter, what's up, man? Hey, what's up, man? Sorry. Sorry for the old calls. Uh, yeah, that, that question is, you 
Hunter, haven't Hunter, Hunter, real, real quick. There you go. I, you, you were muffled there for a second. Now I think you're better now. Oh, oh, sorry about there that. You can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, I had my finger on the speaker box. Um, yeah. So, uh, I, I was wondering. So you know, there's a trending feed on Twitter about you know who's the real USD and all that, and it's Southern Cali and all this other bullshit. Um, what if we played? Uh, what's your thoughts on if we if we played Southern Cali, uh, Cali and um in a bowl game and see who the real USD is? Dude, in a bowl game, regular season game, I'd love to see it. Yeah, I'd I'd love to see it. I, I would. I think that'd be a yeah. really really cool matchup. Yeah, I, I I would love I would love to see that. I don't know if you can mention that Beamer or not or whoever does that, but that would be a good thing. I'll, I'll shoot Shane a DM and uh, <laughs> see if we can get it set up. Yeah. But yeah, I I figured I'd say that. I figured that was a good idea. So, oh, uh, why not say it? So. Yeah. Hunter, I love it, man. I love it. Great idea. Yeah. No problem, man. Yeah, man. Appreciate you. Great stuff, Hunter. Guys, again, phone lines are open, 843-790-3377. Jeff Gullich says, it's like you said during the halftime, we have to find ways to win despite the offense. You know, good point. I'll say this too, though, Jeff. I'll say this too. Let Let me ask you guys this. Let me ask you guys this. Five games to go, all right? Mizzou, Vandy, Florida, Tennessee, Clemson. And then a bowl game. Six games to go. But we'll just talk regular season. Five regular season games to go. Do you genuinely feel like this offense, it is what it is, it's doomed, this this offense is not going to have a breakout game? They're just, they're not. They are what they are, and that's... Brian Bennett, what's up, man? How are you? I'm doing good, man. Happy still. I'm doing well, man. Appreciate you asking. What's up? Yeah, I just want to... Um... Yeah, I don't. Um, I'm not gonna hold you long, but I just mm-hmm. want to give praise to somebody that we haven't gave praise to all year long. How about Luke Day, the unsung hero? This is the first time in a long time I've seen Gamecock players look physical and fit and have endurance on games. Like that is special to have a guy like him to just make us look like an AC football team. Mm-hmm. And knock on wood, my friend, we're healthy. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, for sure. I, yeah. You saw it last year too, but yeah, Luke Day definitely the unsung hero, man. Because you know, coaches will tell you. That hire is so important because players actually spend more time with the strength and conditioning coach than any coach on staff, right? Because they're spending all the offseason, the preseason, the spring. I mean, the entire year, they're, they're with that strength and conditioning coach. So having the right guy in that in that spot and that role is key. It's pivotal. And, uh, no, I mean, Luke Day has done a fantastic job, man. We, you know, and we're, hey, we're getting better as games go on. We're a second-half team. We're a second-half team. So. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome pretty much. Yeah. Thank you. Brian, I appreciate the call, man. Great stuff. Great stuff. Uh, no, he makes a great point, though. Makes an absolutely great point. Anyways, guys, 843-790-3377. Listen, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not knocking anybody. I want, I want to make it very clear. And I, I think y'all all understand this. I hope y'all all understand this. Even somebody like Coach Ford, I love I, – I, I respect Coach Ford, actually. I meant to send him this via DM. I hope he's tuned in. I respect people – that have an opinion, they stand by it, they're willing to debate it, they're willing to banter. They don't, they're not coming from a sense of ego like I'm right, you're wrong, but they've got an opinion and they debate it and they believe in it. And so I'm not, you know, I I I love that folks bring the heat. I love that. This would be boring if y'all didn't. So y'all want to keep putting sap to the fire? That's fine. That's fine with me. Never change. I would say that. Never change. Never change. The goal of this show 
is not for me to give my opinion and, and give my banter and you guys just parrot back at me what I'm saying. Like the, the fun, the beauty's in the banter. There's the reason I say it. The beauty is truly in the banter. It's, it's a lot of fun, man, to go back and forth. And, and I, I just thought it was funny this morning and going on JC's show and then starting here, it's like all of the comments. But I understand. I understand because you look at this game and you look at this season, defense playing well. Special teams, obviously playing well. It's the offense. The offense. The offense. If this team's going to get to eight and four, the offense is going to have to be better. It's going to have to be better. Yeah, Chase, that <laughs> – hey, good point, Chase. That that Rattler uh, – that Rattler over. Mm. Wow. Tough. Very tough. Very tough indeed. Um, let's see. Jacob says, as a team, we're exceeding expectations for this year, and I think we feel that if the offense gets better and better, the Florida and Clemson games look more winnable. Preseason never else. I actually had us beating Florida, Jacob, in the preseason, I believe. Didn't I? Yeah, I had us beating Florida, losing to Tennessee. So, But I also thought the offense would be better. You know, I, I think I had us beating Mizzou over the summer, like 45 to 21. Like, I, I really thought we'd have an offensive field day against them. So, um, you know, the, the, the offense is and, – and, guys, to me, it's, it's, it's very simple. There's no gray area here. I, I know some folks out there want to want to, you know, watch film and, and, and do everything in their power. Do everything in their power to take the blame off of Sat. But we talked about it all summer. And, guys, we'll have this conversation more in depth once the regular season concludes, right, when you're looking back at the season that was. We all agreed, right? Did we not? We all agreed over the summer. Marcus Satterfield is getting handed the keys to a brand-new whip. You want to say it's a Ferrari? You want to say it's a Maserati? You want to say it's an Audi? Whatever. Whatever you want to label it. The upgrade across the board talent-wise was undeniable. Right? It's undeniable. And if it didn't click and if it didn't work, there was going to be one guy to blame. I understand players have got to go make plays. I get that. But this is Marcus Satterfield's offense. This, that's it. This is his offense. And so the fact that it has not worked it falls on him. It falls on him. Like it or not. And if you don't like it, you don't have to take the paycheck. I don't know exactly what he's getting paid, but it's probably close to a milli. You don't have to take the check. He, I, I can guarantee you Marcus Satterfield is more than happy taking the heat, signing his name on that dotted line, and making sure them checks that come through for the University of South Carolina, they say Marcus Satterfield on them. I'm, guys, he's more than happy taking responsibility. More than happy because he's getting paid a king's ransom for it. So there's no gray area here. 23 points per game in against power five opponents, that falls on Sat. End of story. End of discussion. That's it. Josh Van, seven catches for 70 yards or whatever he's had, that falls on Sat. End of story. Spencer Rattler, five TDs, eight picks through seven games. That falls on Sat. That all points back to him. So maybe I'm a hypocrite because I was just saying, let's talk about other things. Let's not talk about it. But, you know, I understand it's, 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 the, it's the topic of conversation, right? 
I'll ask you guys this. Let me ask you this. Let's let's change the comment a little bit and give phone lines are open, 843-790-3377. Joseph, 23 points per game against Power 5 teams. Yeah, I think we're scoring 33 a game in all games. 23 against Power 5 opponents. I'm not trying to take away Charlotte and SC State, but I mean, nobody's looking back at this season and saying, well, I mean, we should extend Sack because we scored 50 on Charlotte. You know what I mean? Like, no, nobody's saying that. <laughs> I would ask you guys this. What's your, and this is a silly question, greatest concern? Like, does, does are you more so concerned about this game because of our problems on offense? Or is there anything specifically Mizzou does that you feel like they've got the advantage in the matchup or, or they do something that doesn't bode well for us? And Kevin Cooper, he says, how does Rattlers 5-8 and eight fall on Sat? Well, Kevin, not only is Marcus Satterfield the offensive coordinator, he's the damn quarterback's coach. So, Kevin, yeah, it falls on him, my guy. It, it falls on him. Rattlers played good football. I, I, I refuse to believe that Spencer Rattler doesn't have the talent to be better than what he is. Is he being put in the best possible position? That's very much so up for debate. Satterfield is literally the quarterback coach. Let's see. Anyways, guys, we'll have J.C. Sherbert join us at 1.15. Really excited to get J.C.'s uh, full commentary and thoughts on this game upcoming this weekend. Tyler Knoll says Mizzou's defense is very stingy and plays extremely physical. The O-line is to show up big this week, and we've got to be able to throw the ball down the field to win. They're good at stopping the run. Yeah, Tyler, I, I think you are going to see those deep shots again. Uh, Mizzou up front, very, very good. Of course, they got the Jeff Coat kid that went to Irmo. Um, the other kid they've got that's having an all-SEC caliber season is Isaiah McGuire. He's been really, really good up front for them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's the matchup that concerns you. Obviously, the Gamecocks offensive against their defense. I, I feel confident in Carolina's defense that they're going to have a pretty solid day. Uh, I, I will say, though, and this isn't really a prediction, but when Carolina and Mizzou play, it doesn't it feel like, doesn't it feel like weird things happen? Weird things, you know? Uh, it does. It feels like weird things happen. So I, I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised. If you see you see kind of a wacky game. I don't know. DGD, what's up, man? How are you? Um, Brett Russ, we're averaging 33.14 points per game according to the South Carolina website. Brett, 23 points per game against Power 5. I know we're I know we're averaging 33 in all games. 23 points per game against Power 5 opponents. That means Charlotte and SC State don't count. Uh, but it's just a stat. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not trying to take anything away. That's just what the numbers say. That's just what the numbers say. Courtney, can't single out one thing and forget about the rest. I mean, I hear what you're saying, right? Players have got to go play, but I'm just saying, Courtney, when the dust settles and it's end of season, I'm 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 putting I'm putting the the responsibility on Marcus Satterfield. 
I just I don't think there's any scenario that he gets bailed out by. Well, you know, Spencer Rattler just wasn't really that good, and Jaheim Bell was overrated. You know, this guy didn't play to this sat. You should come back. I, I don't see that being a conversation. I I, I just don't. I just, I just don't. I just don't. You know, I I just I don't see that being the combo, Courtney. Maybe I'll be wrong, and I I trust Shane Beamer either way, but so. Yeah, Luther Burden. That's one of my uh, one of my key matchups, Cameron. Good name, you just. Aaron, what's up, man? How are you? Oh man, I'm chilling. I'm chilling, getting dressed for the gym and working my ass off, getting ready to come home. Uh, let me tell you why I called today, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I talked to one of my homeboys at home last night. We talked to each other like two or three times a week. You know, trying to set up what I'm gonna do when I hit Columbia. And uh, he talking about, you know, he talking trash about the Gamecocks, about, you know, how they've been lucky. Like the Kentucky's quarterback was hurt. Yeah, they would have lost that game. Or Texas A&M is in shambles. Uh, they would have lost that game and, and still almost lost that game because they scored 17 in the first quarter and, you know, didn't score much any any other time. And that's all true. But then I I just go back to him. How much bad luck has the Gamecocks had in their in in their history? They they're doing right to take advantage of. That's at the end of the season, nobody's going to remember that. They're taking advantage of every opportunity they can. Get the I don't care how you win. I want every. I should. I don't wish injury. Listen, I want the Gamecocks to capitalize on all of the mistakes or unfortunate circumstances the other team has mm-hmm. because you know for a hundred years they've been having bad luck and you know i'm just i'm just talking a little trash they up right now and we go see how they finish out this season mm-hmm. yeah i mean listen don't yeah, man, don't, was, don't apologize for how you're winning you know what i mean it, it just find ways to win that's that's the way i look at it so um, yeah, I can't, I, I'd, I'd he, rather, he was just... I'd rather have a team that's got the characteristic trait of winning games and finding ways to win ugly, whether it's ugly, pretty, whatever, but ugly than a team that's flashy, sexy with a bunch of playmakers that just finds ways to lose at the end of the game. I, I just, it's all about winning for me, man. I, I want to win the devils and the details yeah, he we was... just find ways to win. He was just, he was hating. He even admitted it at the end, you know, right. he, he, he was, he was hating. But it's it's just it's nice to see you know a, a, a ranked team. But what I'd like to see them do is what I'd like to see them do is finish this off and not you know typical gamecock fashion. Come here, baby. Typical gamecock fashion. I'm here with my old lady. Uh, yeah, typical gamecock fashion. You know we'll do something crazy before the year end. But you know this Shane Beamer. That I almost said MF. Yeah, that dude. <laughs> That dude, hey, he's doing his thing. He's mm-hmm. doing his thing. We're, we're Satterfield uh, holding him back. Mm-hmm. So, look, we just want to see what happens, man. We, I'm going to keep watching. You do your thing. I'm getting dressed. I'm gonna, and today is leg day again. I love it, man. I love it. Aaron, you're a legend, brother. Calling anytime. Right, Appreciate you. All right. Yeah, man. Take care. Aaron, absolute legend. That, that call. <laughs> legendary. Legendary. Uh, anyways, guys, eight four three seven nine zero three three seven. We got a Vol fan in the chat. God, Rebecca's about to have a have a fit. 
Um, Drew Johnson says, Chris, at minimum, how many times a game would you get the ball in Jaheim Bell's hands? Yeah, and I know this stems from this stems from the uh, the comment from Sat yesterday, which you know it's it's interesting. You know, Marcus Satterfield is reaching what I don't know, just just an insane level for for like his press conferences. He says just and he he can't say anything, right? He he's going to be held to the fire no matter what until the offense clicks. But yesterday when he made the comment about. You know, for up to me, we we give the ball to Jaheim Bell a thousand times. It's like, is it is it not up to you? Is it up to someone else? And so, obviously, I, I think the way that Jaheim Bell has been used has pretty tough to stomach. Here we go, Bree. What's going on? How are you? Hey, Chris. So, hey, just kind of touching on what you were saying there. That comment is going wild, of course. But I do want to remind everybody, you know, everybody, well, he's the offensive coordinator. Of course, it's his job to do it. The only possible way that you can guarantee the boy gets the ball in his hands is if he's at running back or, 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 or quarterback. That's it. And obviously, we know if we put him at run, every time we put him in the backfield, the problem is he always gives him the ball. And he, he's got to quit doing that. I, I, I've spoken that at length. But you cannot guarantee the guy gets the ball in his hands no matter how many times you draw the play for the kid. You know what I mean? Now, the other issue, you're not getting enough snaps. I've talked about that. I've said it. And I spoke about it on length. But as far as, like, you know, you cannot guarantee that you draw the play. It's going to get the bell. Just because the play is drawn up for him. I mean, that, that's just not a thing. You can't just say, well, he's the OC, so of course he could get it in his hands every time. Only if he's the quarterback. Only if he's the quarterback is the ball going to go to his hands every time. And that's if they don't run some super wildcat in the damn movie. Right. <laughs> but, you, but, you would, but you would also agree that he has not touched the football enough. You would agree with that, I assume. He's not touching the football enough because he's not in enough snaps. Now, we could we could debate that and say, look, is it because you know the blocking? You know, but you've heard me talk about that. They keep talking about how his blocking's improved. My main issue with with Bell is not being in enough snaps. Now, Marcus Satterfield said this. Let's give him some credit. He said something I've been saying for weeks, though. I don't know why it, why he's just now figuring it out. Or you know, just now mentioning it. I, I just don't think that guy knows how to handle an interview, quite honestly. But I said weeks ago, I'm like, you have got to get Bell. In the game, when he's not actually getting the ball handed to him, right now he's saying that he's like, "Well, I got to get him in the game more. He's doing enough stuff for us to get him in the game more." So I mean, listen, I mean, part of some things he says almost points to the fact that maybe they overhyped Jaheim Bell going into this season. You know what I mean? We're all expecting it because we saw, you know, some huge breakout performance at the very end of last year. You know what I mean? But Reality like Bell wasn't some big star last year either. He had a big game at the end of the year. The same thing with Junior. You know, why aren't they getting all these snaps? Man, we're not at practice. I don't know what's going on. I can assume some things I'm hearing from them that maybe Bell's not the player that, that we all maybe imagine he was. I I don't want to say that because I mean we know the kid's an athlete. You know, I just I feel like that other side of that equation that it's easy to just kind of dismiss and go, well, you know, he's amazing. Well, we don't know how amazing he is. There's no real actual numbers. And 
game after game consistency that says sells so amazing. He had an amazing ball game. He is an amazing athlete. We can see that he's an amazing athlete. We've also seen a couple of drops from him in consistent places. Just had one just this past you know what I mean? And honestly, the play before that, I was just breaking it down. I just put out my first half breakdown. The play before the drop, he got a four yard. He, he caught the ball for like four yards or something or whatever it was. But I also felt like I was like, man, and, you know, the guy, you know, drug him down by his leg. And I'm like, man, Dean is supposed to be this big, strong athlete. He's so athletic. Mm-hmm. Boyd would have broke that tackle. He wouldn't have let that guy drag him down to the ground. You know what I mean? And right. he's not anywhere near Dean Bell's side. Well, there's that other side of that equation too, you know. It's like I just sometimes I feel like maybe we're over hyping cells based off of one game. I'm not saying we are. I'm saying maybe we are, and maybe we don't know that because they're not at practice. And mm-hmm. not what the heck is going on there day to day? They talk about it. They speak about it. And we don't want to believe them, or some of us don't want to believe that's what's going on because we have it in our heads that that was just amazing athlete. And the coaches did that on themselves because what did they all say preseason? We've got to make Bell touch the ball all the time. We're going to form our offense around Bell. They said it. Now we're looking for it. Maybe they they overspoke, and maybe they need to come back and say, you know what, honestly, we overspoke preseason. We didn't realize all the weapons we had coming in at all these different positions. We thought Josh Sam was going to be our leading receiver this year. But, man, Juice Wells and Jalen Bush have just been killing it. And Josh, Josh hasn't. Now Josh is starting to emerge again. You know, I mean, hey, we'll see. You know, I, it's hard to say all that. I'm just, I just, you know, I hate the reading into those little comments like that. Like, it's the same thing with the, and the one I was calling it for. It was the uh, made the comment about, uh, he said, it was like, well, why do you have to tell them to get the ball to the playmaker stands at halftime? He didn't say halftime. He said third quarter. At the end of the game, he said somewhere in the third quarter, he told Marcus Satterfield, just get the ball to your playmakers. Now, he was already putting the ball in those guys' hands at that point. So we could have been that he didn't feel like he was doing it enough, or he could have been, and let's remember, Coach Schemer is not the kind of coach that's throwing his guys under the ball. Mm. So he's not going to get up there at the end of the game and try to say something bad about Mark Satterfield purposely. So he could have, and we also know that guy is super positive. So it could also simply be that he was making the comment that he was reminding his coach that if he keeps giving those guys the ball, they're going to win them the game. They're not going to let them down. It could have just been simple and curt. It could be either way. Yeah. I, I think my biggest surprise with Bell is that, that my biggest surprise with Bell is they didn't just move into receiver. After the bowl game, I, uh, I, 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 I just I don't I just don't see Jaheim Bell as a hand in the dirt type of player. He, he's not. I don't I don't see him that way at all. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, again, I'm not at practice every day. Um, I'm I'm just surprised he wasn't moved like a pure receiver. I, I just I don't know. So I I don't disagree with that. I mean, hey, look, you heard me talking about it earlier in the year. I felt like, you know, the utilization of him as a two-back, like as a a fullback could work. But then we're not utilizing him fully at that capacity. We just put him in the backfield and go, hey, here's the ball. There was a big play in the last game where it was like a a short down. It was fourth and one right at the end of the game. And we hand the ball off the bell, and, of course, they shut it down. This play, I thought Lloyd should have got the first down compared to J.C. talked about that. But then I mean, the next game, we put Bell in the backfield, handed it to him, 
and, and then shut down because every time he's in the backfield, we give him the ball. Yeah. You know, he's got to do other stuff from there if he's going to do it, man. I mean, he's got to go out for a route. He's yeah, the, the, the best way to improve Jaheim Bell's blocking is just stop asking him to block. <laughs> I mean, just, just stop. Just stop doing it. I mean, it's just – yeah. And that might be and that might be the thing, man. Yeah, that just might be the thing, you know. So what I would sometimes, do sometimes you're trying to force the what is it we say force a round peg into a square hole. Right, you know? right. Or vice versa. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean that's that's, that's what, what were you saying? What were you gonna do? Yeah. Well, anyways, Bree, I, I, I will say this. Yep. You know, my prediction will come tomorrow. I call me crazy. I, I feel I don't think we're going to turn into Tennessee overnight, obviously, but I actually do feel optimistic that an offensive breakout game is coming. Um, I think there will be a game, whether it's this weekend, Vandy, or whenever, that some of those deep shots will connect. I thought Spencer Rattler played one of his best games, if not his best game, against A&M, if you really go back and watch it. So, um, I maybe am a little bit more optimistic than most about, about the offense moving forward. I'm not sitting here saying that. Marcus Satterfield needs to be extended or whatever. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll reevaluate when the dust settles, obviously. And, I, you know, I still am concerned about situational play calling and instinct and awareness, as I talked about earlier in the week. But I, I, I feel mm-hmm. like at some point those deep shots are going to connect. I, th- I think we're going to see some big plays. So we'll see if it's this weekend. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I, th- I said a few weeks ago this is going to be the game. Yeah, I think it is. I think, that's, I think this is going to be the game. Now, I, was, I just made a comment before I talked to the only problem with hoping that they make a change this year, you know, or after this year is over, that means we're also hoping that the, the offense doesn't look amazing for the next five games or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, or what, six games we got left? No, five. Yeah. We got I five mean, I, left, yeah. right? above, above all else, I, I want to win. I, I mean, I, I want to win and, and score a lot of points above all else. So. Yeah, and if we do, if we score a bunch of points and the offense does look amazing to end the year, are we are we going to get rid of Satterfield then? We might, who knows, you know what I mean? But, I mean, right. that's what I'm saying. These guys are hoping for the change. Uh, kind of also means you're hoping that we don't look much better for the rest of the year, too. Right. You know, if we don't, then we got to make a change. Right. But hoping that that's going to be the thing kind of just, just, I don't know. Kind of a little longer, like hoping that the offense doesn't look amazing the rest of the year. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, anyway, Bree, we got yeah, we're about to get uh, we're about to yep. get JC. We got to jump into a break real quick, but I appreciate you calling in as always. All right, later, dude. Right, always a pleasure. Appreciate Bree. Um, yeah, thank y'all so much. Appreciate Bree for the call. I see my guy Phil Harris has jumped in. We got a Tennessee Volunteer fan calls in hell. My guy John Rice is in here. Jeff Gillis, we're rocking. We're rolling here on this Thursday, guys. Let's go ahead and jump into a break. On the other side, though, I want to continue to hear from you. 843-790-3377. You're tuned in to the Daily Crush. All right, guys, we're back. Taking your questions, comments, calls, 843-790-3377. That's 843-790-3377. Again, guys, we got my good friend J.C. Sherbert of the Big Spur inside the Gamecocks. He will join us at 115. And assuming we keep the phone lines 
rocking. We won't take a break, guys, because that's just in 20 minutes. So, y'all want to call in? Again, 843-790-3377 as we sit uh, on the eve of game day eve. Uh, very excited to get back in Columbia. Obviously, the TSUS tailgate guys Saturday at Seawell's spot 78. Um, we will have the Beamer Ball towels and koozies for sale. Um, I will not. Go ahead and jump to the phone lines. Call the framer. Hey. Riley Davis, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Just finishing up eating lunch. How's your Thursday going so it is, far? It, yeah, it's going fantastic, man. I appreciate you asking. What's going on? Um, I wanted to say this, and I've said this before, right? Mm-hmm. I don't care how it happens. I don't care what we do. As long as we win, I'll be happy, okay? Robbie Davis don't give a damn about style points. He just wants to win the game. I respect that. Style points? style point. I just want to win. I don't care. I respect it. I respect that. Because winning is fun. It confirmed. Winning is style, fun. Style points can go to the back of the bus and stay there. I don't care about style points. I don't care. Winning is all that matters. Okay? Do I wish the offense played better? Absolutely, I do. But you know what? Right now, our defense is playing fantastic football right now. And our special teams is playing at a level that I was not expecting it to be in year two of Shane Beamer, okay? I just want us to win, period. End of story, done. I don't care if we wind up having – the same amount of offensive yards as, as we had against A&M, okay? You know what? The only score, the only stat that matters, Chris, is the scoreboard. That is the only stat that freaking matters, period. You win the scoreboard, you win the ball game, period. I don't give a flying monkey fart what the stats look like. You win the scoreboard, you win the ball game, period. Amen, brother. Amen. <clears throat> Preach on, brother. Preach on. The reason we won that ball game against AM was because we had more points than AM. I could care less about the stats. We won the most important stat on the day, and that is the scoreboard stat. Period. And do I wish. Do I wish uh, Rattler was playing better and had more touchdowns? Yeah. But you know what? It is what it is. We're winning ball games. I don't care. Okay? I do not care. Mm-hmm. I just want us to win. Okay? Winning is fun. I don't care how it happens. Just win. Go out there Saturday, this coming Saturday at 4 o'clock and beat Missouri. I don't care how you do it. Just do it. Because like I have said before, somebody's got to win and somebody's got to lose. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm going to give you my prediction at the end of this, but I'm just telling you, okay? I do not care. 
I'm going to show up Saturday hoping we win, as always. Okay, I'm going to cheer my guts out. I'm going to cheer until I can't cheer no more, period. Do you know where you're sitting, Robbie? I'll be sitting with my I'll be sitting with my stepdad in his seat. Which is I'll be very, I'll be like on the completely on the other side of where I was sitting last okay. Saturday. Okay. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Gotcha. But and my and my mom's gonna be pissed, okay? But mom, if you're listening, this is only a prediction, okay? All this is is a prediction, okay? Hey, you know the saying, Chris, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So my prediction is Missouri 31, South Carolina 28. That is my prediction. That is my prediction. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Hot darn, I'm going to just keep that. If it's working, don't fix it, okay? 31 to 28, Mizzou is what Robbie Davis is going with. Mm. Yep. And trust me, this is very hard because I was very tempted for a pick us to win, but I was like, I can't do it. I just can't. Robbie, you're, you're, Robbie you're, can't. You're, you're, you're preaching to the choir, man. It feels like every season I reach a point where the opposite of what I'm picking happens, and so I have to also fall on the sword. So I, I understand what you're saying. I, I get it. I get it. And I'm picking it as if I'm, I'm – I'm, and I'm starting I'm, – and like – like, I don't know if you like. I think you've said this before, but I pick the game as if I'm like betting on it. Okay. I pick the game as if I have money on the line. Okay. So I'm picking Mizzou to win. I'm, I, that's my prediction: is Mizzou's going to win 31 to 28. Now, like I like I've told my mother a thousand times, do I want that to happen? No. All it is is a prediction. Okay. So, Mom, if you are listening, uh, you can be mad at me from the hospital bed all you want, okay? But I'm going to show up Saturday and uh, uh, hope that we kick Mizzou's ass, okay? I love because they're due for a, they're due for a butt cutting by us. Yes, yeah, we've lost three in a row to them. We've never beat Eli Drinkwitz. Never beat Eli Drinkwitz. Even when he was at Appalachian yeah, State, that, which Shane Beamers is not and should not be held responsible for because that wasn't his team. But, uh, yeah, we, we need to put an end to that for sure. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. And, and in case anyone cares right now, the season opener for the men's basketball team will be on the SEC Network at 7 o'clock on the 8th of November. Okay, I I don't think I saw that. I know that from because I looked at the I looked on my Gamecock app and it said seven p.m. against South Carolina State SEC Network. So I was like, okay, note to self, I'm going to watch that game. Okay, <laughs> but anywho, I will be there Saturday, ready to cheer until I can't cheer no more. If we turn that stadium into the atmosphere that it was this past Saturday. Missouri ain't got no chance in hell, okay? They ain't got a snowball chance in hell at walking out of Willie B with a W, okay? I'm just telling you. Because if it's anything like it was last week, Mizzou don't stand a chance.
Do you agree or disagree? I agree. I agree. Yeah, I agree 110. percent I'm just I'm just letting you go, Robbie. I'm I'm just a I'm just an avid listener what like everybody it, else. Too. It's, it's one o, it's one o four. Yeah, it's one o four. But any and and like look right. Obviously, I said yesterday right. Somebody told me that they did not renew Satterfield or Atkins's contract right. Yeah. Okay, they didn't do that, right? So, obviously, a decision will be made at the end of the season, okay? So, those of you that want him fired now, it's not going to happen until the end of the season. Sorry to burst your bubble and piss you off, but that's a fact. If they haven't fired him yet, they're going to wait till the end of the season. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it'd be kind of crazy to do it right now. Yeah. I mean, it just wouldn't. What do you gain? You'd be stupid. You'd be extremely stupid to do it right now. Yeah. And if if they uh, – if there are any changes occurring, they're going on behind closed doors, and, and we're not going to know. We're not going to know about it. So Exactly. Yeah. It's going to be hush-hush. No one's going to know. Until they are like, wait, something feels different. And then you're going to know something happened. Okay? Just sit back, relax, enjoy the rest of this season because we ain't got many games left, okay? We ain't got that many left. Like I said in the off season, there's only 12 games and seven of them are home games. Only got so two, we only got two home games left. Only got two home games left. Two, yeah, two home games left this week, and then what? We play where? It was Tennessee's home. We right? play. We play right. Vandy, Florida, and Clemson on the road. Golly, why do we got to travel to Death Valley? Why do we got to travel to the fake Death Valley? Seriously, about, I was about the to real say, Death Valley is in we, Louisiana. Yeah, I was gonna say we don't play LSU this season, so I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, the real Death Valley is in Louisiana. Sorry, Clemson fans, but it's a fact. The real Death Valley is in Louisiana. I don't give a damn about y'all's win streak. The real Death Valley is in Louisiana, okay? I do not care. That is the real Death Valley, okay? Mm. That is where streaks go to die, as they say. And I, I just feel like if Beamer – is doing the best that he can with the players that he has, okay? Do we have a great athlete? Absolutely, we do, okay? Yes. But help, like, as he said before, help is coming, and it ain't here yet. So I'm very excited to see what this team will look like in years three and four of Shane Bear. Because this is only year two. <clears throat> Yeah, I'm excited when uh you know he gets his players in there for sure. I, I want to go back to your point about style points or lack thereof or whatever, because you know I, I said all summer that how you win and how you lose was what was important or was very important in year two of Shane Beamer. And I, I'm not going to say it has right. no importance, but I almost kind of want to go back on that because winning trumps all. Mm-hmm. So if you're winning, that's all that matters. Yes, um, that's a fact. Yeah, that's all that matters. So. Yeah, but yeah. So, thirty-one to twenty-eight, Mizzou. You're locked in, Robbie. I appreciate it, man. 
like you said, if it ain't broke, don't fix yes. it. I, I understand where you're coming from. If it ain't broke, goddammit, don't fix it. You'll just make it worse. Facts. So. Well, Robbie, I appreciate you calling in, man. It's always a pleasure. You're a legend. Happy that you'll be at Willie B Saturday. If you got time, stop by C Wells. If not, maybe we'll uh, maybe I'll maybe I'll somehow scope you out again in the stadium. <laughs> Good luck. Forget where's Waldo. It's gonna be where's Robbie. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yep. All right, buddy. I was I'll uh, talk to you tomorrow. Go Cox and whoever's Clemson, whoever Clemson's playing Saturday. They're on the bye go week. They're, they're, on, they're on a bye week, so go bye week. Oh, so they're probably favored to beat the bye week like a dog, I'm guessing, right? He, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> favored to beat them like a dog, yeah. Yeah. All right. Have a good one. If I don't see you Saturday, you be careful getting close to Columbia, all right? I appreciate it, Robbie. All right, buddy. How's it going? Yeah, man. You too. Appreciate you. Always a legendary call when Robbie Davis chimes in. It's not a game of where's Waldo, but it's a game of where's Robbie. Indeed. Uh, guys, J.C. Sherbert going to join us at 115. We will just continue to rock. We're not going to take another break. It's all good. Who needs a break? Um, again, though, I will say this to Robbie's point. You know, I, I spent a lot – I spent a lot of time with this over the summer talking about style points – Right, talked about that a lot in the preseason style points, how you win, how you lose. But now that we're in the midst of it, I got to be honest with you guys. I, I don't really give a damn if you win with defense and special teams every single week. And I and I don't understand. I know that we want to see this team be better offensively. No duh, we all do. But I'm not gonna hold it against this team that on a week in week out basis they're just finding ways to win. Like I, I'm just like if you go beat Mizzou the same way. If you go beat Mizzou because of Beamer ball to the freaking moon, if you go beat Mizzou because an opportunistic defense and an offense doing just enough to capitalize, I mean, is anybody going to be upset by that? If you punch your ticket to bowl eligibility and you stay in the top 25 and you keep the same winning formula, I understand that the way you're playing right now is not a recipe for success to go win the SEC in the long term. We all know that. Dang, I'm sitting here. I didn't realize that I was off the screen. Damn it. My bad. I'm sitting here with the uh, – I was sitting there with the freaking the, – the Discord up on this side where, like, my side is covered. I didn't even know I was – didn't know I was off the screen. My bad, guys. No, the show is not over. <laughs> the show is not over. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Melon's kind of going through it today. We're having some some flickering with the mic. We're having the – anyways. Anyways, I, I, I the point I was making, I don't even know where it cut off. <clears throat> I don't. I don't know where it cut off. Um, this football team's finding ways to win games, right? I, I'm not going to hold it against this football team. Mizzou has found ways to lose football games. Yeah, found ways to win. Phil, what's up, man? How are you? Hey, man. Pretty good. How you doing? I am doing well. Appreciate you asking. What's up? I'll be real quick. I just wanted to say it's. It, it was a. You know, awesome feeling seeing that article yesterday about uh, Carolina finally getting rid of the U of SC failure from the marketing department. Um, I'm hearing reports that 99% of the 
interactions that they've seen and the comments that are flowing in are positive regarding that. Uh, when that took place, and I've never accepted that, I've always wanted to vomit when I saw it being posted and used by the university. It just felt very defeatist. And I frankly don't give a damn about USD on the West Coast. Dude, we can both have it. Like, it is what it is. I understand that there was a lawsuit involved with it. But ultimately, we are USC and we're Carolina and we're the University of South Carolina. So um, I feel like the university kind of lost its way when they implemented the um, U of SD thing. And it's so glad um, with all of the positive momentum with athletics right now to see that USC is being acknowledged by the university and being put forth as our initials. It's just it's just um, with all of the good feelings with Beamer and stuff like that, it just all feels excellent to be a Gamecock right now. Uh, speaking of that, I wanted to let everybody know that the Carolina men's rugby team has advanced to the SEC equivalent of the um, championship game for our conference. Uh, that will be played against Tennessee in about three weeks or so from now. Um, so super excited for Coach Roberts and the boys having the opportunity to lift a trophy for the conference in 15s. Of course, they did it last year with sevens. The 15s, a whole different ball game. Um, we've been less successful in the 15s version of rugby than sevens. So to get that would be just an excellent accomplishment. And that's all I got for you. Go Cox. Phil, I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Great stuff. Right. Yeah, you guys support kind of rugby, no doubt. Always great to hear Phil call in. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think we all agree. South Carolina acknowledging the USC, embracing that, the rebrand, um, makes too much sense. Makes too much sense. TaylorMade says, Beamer Ball can beat the bottom teams, but we're going to need an offense to beat the better teams, Chris. Imagine me telling you in the preseason that you're referring to Kentucky and Texas A&M as the bottom teams. All you can do is beat the teams in front of you, man. I'm not, like, I'm not, we're not in an argument because I'm not denying the offense has to be better in the the long, because it will catch up to you, right? Like, at some point, it'll catch up to you. At some point, it will catch up to you. You're going to have to score to win. You know, your defense isn't going to bail you out. Your special teams isn't going to make those big plays. So, at some point, it's going to happen where you're going to have to score. I I get where you're coming from, but, again, I'm just not going to hold it against this team that they found a way in back-to-back games to beat teams where they were the underdog. And you know what? Defense and special teams played a big part in that. I hope that stays. I hope that's a recipe that never goes away and that why or while – you know, while that's happening, the offense obviously also figures it out. But, again, don't apologize for winning. I don't give a damn how it looks. Somebody who knows a lot about winning, he joins us every single Thursday. J.C. Sherbert of the Big Spur inside the Gamecocks. J.C., what's going on, my friend? How you doing? Oh, great to be with you, Chris. Uh, certainly always look forward to Thursdays and our chats here on the Spurs Up show on the Crow, the Daily Crow. I got to get that right. I got called it like the Crow line, and uh, my bad <laughs> on that. But it's uh, the Daily Crow. Uh, always glad to be with you, man. Yeah, man. JC, it's always a pleasure. And I want to say thank you first to you and Phil having me on Inside the Gamecocks this morning. The chat was incredible. And, uh, hey, man, let's jump right into it. Obviously, this past weekend, incredible. That that Texas A&M game, getting that win, getting that Aggie-sized monkey off your back, if you will. Gamecocks, finally. We don't have to talk about the streak anymore, JC. South Carolina gets the win. 
five and two now and so many firsts and so many different things, positive statistics favoring Carolina. You've won four in a, four in a row for the first time since 2013. Now ranked in the top 25 for the first time since September 2018. You get your first win over the Aggies. And you started in style with the Xavier Leggett kickoff return for a touchdown, then the pick, then the Tonka play. Before you could even blink, you're up 17 to nothing. Um, how about that start from Carolina? You know, we talked a lot about, you know, which team's going to come out of the gate. Both teams start slow. I think the Gamecocks took that personally, JC, because you really could not have asked for a better start in that football game. No doubt. And it, what makes it even, you know, more special to me as a native of South Carolina, all three kids that you just mentioned are, are South Carolina kids. Uh, Xavier Leggett is from, shoot, Mullins, Loris, Mullins, Mullins, yeah, Mullins, one of those. Yeah. Uh, I knew it was in the PD. And then, uh, of course, Darius Rush uh, is from down near Carver's Bay. Ish, or he was at the – it's in Greeleyville. I know that. Um, and then, uh, you know, of course, Taco's from Conway. So, uh, really happy for those kids. And, and, you know, sometimes when you start like that, Chris, Steve Spurrier used to talk about it. When, when you return the opening kickoff for a touchdown, you know, sometimes bad things end up happening. Because you just start real quick. It's like, ah. And I remember twice specifically uh, two games involving the Florida Gators, um, the championship game against Ohio State. You remember Ted Ginn for OSU, their heavy favorites, Urban Meyer's first championship in 06, returned the opening kickoff for a touchdown. Final was 41-14 Gators. Then in the Swamp in 2010 against against Carolina, Andre DeBose for Florida returns the opening kickoff for a touchdown. Final score, 36-14 Gamecocks. What's cool about what's happening at Carolina now is that this is the third straight game uh, in this program's history that where they've returned the opening kickoff for a touchdown and won. Debo did it against NC State in 17. He did it against Ole Miss in 18. Both those were wins. Um, they are away from home, but they were, they were wins. Uh, and then Xavier does it the other night, and the Gamecocks win. So that's, uh, I, I think, kind of a reverse trend there. The Gamecocks uh, do well when they get off to that kind of start. And certainly, you know, just, just from the standpoint of Xavier Leggett probably has not gotten the targets and catches he expected coming in. I think we all kind of expected more numbers out of the receiving core, the passing game as a whole. Uh, but the kid just goes out and plays ball, plays his butt off, you know. Uh, okay, you want me to return kicks? Fine, I'll do it. Uh, you want me to go make a tackle on, on special teams? I'll do it. Yeah. You know, he's a big athletic kid to start with. And, uh, I think that just epitomizes what Shane Beamer has done with this program, as far as developing a sense of togetherness, uh, and teams that are together, uh, no matter what the struggles are, no matter what the offensive play calling does, no matter you, you have a turnover or whatever, they tend to be resilient and they tend to win a whole lot more than they lose. And, that was on on display Saturday night. You know, people, and look, I've been critical of the offense all week and, and all year and for 20 games, man. I mean, just be honest. Yeah. But what I liked about it was the players uh, and the team, you know, when, when Carolina's sitting there needing a, a touchdown, you know, they go on a drive and score. You know, later on, Aggies cut it 24-21. Game guys go on another drive and score. That's how you win games. And, and, and people – I think get caught up sometimes in the style points and stuff like that. And, and they forget, you know, heck when, when Carolina beat Alabama in 2010, right. Mm-hmm. That game, of course it was a, you know, much more highly touted opponent and, and, and all that good stuff, but that game kind of flowed like the AM game. You had the big start for the Gamecocks mm-hmm. 21, three first quarter, 
Later in the game, you know, you had the Garcia safety, which, by the way, was the right play by Steven. A lot of people yeah. think he just lost it and did it. That was the right call. Yeah. Um, and so it's 21-14. Okay, so you need a drive. So they start riding Marcus Lattimore. Steven starts completing passes over the middle on third down. Ryan Maddox has a big run. Twenty. Okay, so the 28-14. Well, Bama responds. 28-21. Well, what are we going to do? We're going to go right back down the field. Marcus is in the end zone touchdown. At that point, you knew you were going to win the game. This team this year did that against AM. Every time the Aggies got back in it and it looked like they were going to snatch momentum, you know, the, the defense could, made big plays. They played resilient. They, they just were not going to be uh, denied. I think that unit played very inspired football Saturday night. And then the offense, you know, as, as up and down as it was, came through when they needed it. And I think that's very, very important uh, when you're talking about, you know, if they get into the weeds a little bit this weekend, you know, Oh, well, we've been here before. We can be resilient. We can come back. We were second half team, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and so I think all those things were immensely positive beyond beating AM. And you mentioned the streak. Okay, so now South Carolina's beaten every team in the SEC at least once. Um, and Texas and OU are coming in. They've never played Oklahoma. Hopefully, they don't start another streak against Oklahoma. <laughs> we'll see how the schedule goes out. Uh, but they did beat Texas in 1957, the only time they've played them in Austin. Uh, King Dixon, who used to be the athletic director at Carolina, I think returned a kickoff for like 100 yards, and Carolina won like 7 nothing or something like that. But so so 15 of 16 now, the Gamecocks have beaten, and uh, and, and certainly, you know, was was good to, to, to beat A&M, you know, given like the immense hype surrounding their program and stuff. I, I kind of think it's positive when you can beat a team, no matter how much they're down, uh, when they're super hyped, because obviously it causes a lot of discussion nationally and your program gets exposure. So I think uh, all those things were positive about Saturday. JC, am I crazy for feeling a bit of a sense of optimism about the offense going into this weekend? Because, you know, I, I obviously I was at the game and I was as frustrated as anybody sitting there in the stadium. And, you know, th there are many times where we've been frustrated watching this offense. And you know, I used the term sputter a couple of weeks ago to describe it it fit that billing for a lot of that ball game. But I really feel like obviously Marshawn Lloyd gives you a lot of a reason to be excited. The offensive line continues to improve week to week, which I think that's a huge matchup in this game. I think Missouri, obviously you look up front with Jeff coat McGuire and those other guys and their linebacking core. They're solid defensively. All right. They're stingy. They're, they're very stingy. They're, they're good. They're good on defense. Um, but I thought Spencer Rattler, had I think if, if not for a couple of drops I think the narrative this week is much different about the way he played I loved seeing him on the run making throws on the run showing off the accuracy the, the, the arm strength if you will he made a couple throws in that game on Saturday that I looked at and said this is why you wanted him and there's only a handful of guys in college football that can put that ball where he put it on the money like that um I, you know, I don't know if it's going to be this week or Vandy or what have you. Know, I'm not trying to have the garnet glasses, obviously, but I've just got this gut feeling of, for whatever reason, I, I, I feel better than I felt about the offense this time last week. And I feel like maybe, you know, and, and certainly the, the, the factor of, you know, my concerns regarding Marcus Satterfield and his feel of the flow of the game and his instinct or lack thereof, what have you, but in regards to the players and the playmakers making plays, which is what it all comes down to, players making plays, I feel like this is a team that is at least getting closer. And I don't want to sound like coach speak. I don't want to sound like, you know, again, Chris is trying to paint a garnet and black picture. But, like, I have to feel like at some point, because Marshawn Lloyd's going to keep doing his thing. Like, at some point, those deep passes 
those those big plays, they're going to connect at some point. It, it might, I don't know if it's going to happen this week or next week, but get, give me your thoughts on the offense, what you saw, and and do you share that sense of optimism? I, I know you mentioned earlier this morning a cautious optimism. Um, just your overall thoughts on the offense coming out of A&M. I, I, I know. Yeah, I was going to ask you, and you, you, you kind of answered what I was going to ask you. Uh, I was going to say, do you know why you're optimistic? Is is because Carolina's got good players. You know, they got they got. You know, you got you know, Stogner. What I thought he had a really good game. I mean, yeah. he was interfered with on one of those catches badly. I still called it, man, and and flexed. You know, I like to see him get excited because SEC refs were very on brand <laughs> Saturday night. We'll put it that they way. Were, they, I don't know why they felt like it was pick on Cam Smith night, but they they did. I, I, oh yeah, Cam Smith it was that was criminal. I mean, it, he didn't even. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you I, can I touch know. the guy, you can't interfere with the guy. You can touch him, you know. So anyway, that was a, you know, but you, you look at a guy like Stalker. You, you know, you look at Jaheim Bell, who actually. You know, even though he's got limited snaps and, and, and nobody's happy about that, you know, he caught a key third down in what was it, 11 and went for 15 yards, broke a couple tackles, went up yeah. there. You know, he made a big play. Mm-hmm. Uh, Juice made that big catch, uh, which was a wild throw, I, I thought, um, uh, over there on the sideline where he jumped up. Was, they, they've run that a lot, and he's Juice is really good at catching that. And we know what he can do because we saw him against Arkansas and Kentucky. Light it up. I don't know what it is about home games where they don't want to throw in the ball, but that's uh, that's 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 interesting. But um, you know, Van caught some passes. Uh, you know, J- Jalen Brooks. I felt bad for uh, because that's that that ball in the end zone. He's come down with that all year. Those types of plays. Jalen Jalen has not dropped a pass. You know that I can remember all season. And then he had you know one or two the other nights. I felt bad for him. But you know he he made a big play on the reverse. Yeah. That's that's and, one of the and I'll, and I'll say this to, to yeah. your point about Jalen sure. JC because I I know it's endless and I agree it's the SEC you got to catch it right he tell you right. he has to catch it I was in that end zone the force with which he hit the ground with oh like, god it, it was not like it was he was just in stride and just hit him in the chest and he dropped it so I, I will say to Jalen's credit that would have been an outstanding catch I just put sure it out there. anyway and, uh, yeah. and I'll say this you know I played football back in the day when you hit the ground like that yeah. Uh, and what's worse is when you fall on the ball, you feel like you're going to die for about 10 seconds <laughs> and you got to snap out of it. But uh, you hit the ground like that, it knocks the wind out of you. And it's yeah. tough. It's tough. I mean, you could, you could, sometimes you black out. I mean, it's, uh, it was tough, but uh, I felt bad for him. I think he'll rebound. I mean, I, I think we'll see the same Jalen Brooks we've seen all year moving forward. Um, but, you know, he, he's, he's pretty good. He got good players. And you're right. You know, at some point, they're going to connect on a deep ball to Amari and Brown. That that's you look at what he did at Georgia Tech, and you know it was unfortunate against Arkansas that they they couldn't quite link up. But that's his game. He's a Demir Bird type of receiver. Hmm. That that if you want a comparison, I don't know if he'll play in the NFL for however, however long Demir's played in the NFL. But uh, I think he is a, that type of guy. You get him on go routes, he's open, he's so fast, boom, touchdown. So I think I think we will see it, Chris, and and I, I share your optimism when it does come to the, the fact that they have good players, and uh, you know I think good players make plays, and uh, Spencer is close, it, it, you, and you can feel it, and and you know you and I aren't the only ones that feel this way either. A lot of folks I talk to around the program that cover the program, they're like, ah, it's just a matter of time before he really has a huge game, uh, and that's good because these last you know five games of the season are obviously extremely important, every single one of them. 
Yeah, and I, I feel the same way. I, I think about it, too. I'm like, you know, you look at Spencer Rattler's season, and, and I understand it, it's been underwhelming to this point, but I'm like, at some point, he's going to have a game that that he shows you who he is. And, like, you know what I'm saying? He, he his, his talent, you can't suppress talent forever. Like, it's yeah. going to shine at some point. Let's talk, J.C., the defensive side of the football, because I really thought they were the unsung heroes of the game. And, and while I understand that, you know, I, I think we've got a we our this fan base has got a great sense of envy watching the Tennessees of the world them them just scoring fifty again and I and I get it I get it I, right? yeah, all, all of college football probably right yes. right yeah. right all of college football does and we all want it to be flashy and sexy and what have you but the bottom line is this the Gamecocks are finding a way to win and a lot of it comes down to especially the last two weeks the defensive side and you talked about it this morning the defensive line the way they're flying around just taking over games. Uh, and that was the case yet again on Saturday night, just what you saw from them. And, again, it's just more encouraging sign. And then, you, I mean, at all three levels, man, I saw Sherrod Green all over the place. I saw Debo Williams making plays. Stone Blanton, I feel like, is becoming more and more involved on a weekly basis. And then the secondary, I mean, it just speaks for itself what they're doing, man. I think Darius Rush is is making his case for – he's like, you know, y'all love Cam Smith so much. There's no knock on Cam, but he's like, y'all love Cam Smith so much. Well, what about me? Look at what I'm doing. You know what I mean? So, um, the defense as a whole, but we'd love to hear you expand again. I know I know you're really high on that defensive line and what they did for a, a second consecutive week in SEC play. Yeah, and, and you want to match up for the Missouri game. This is the third straight offensive line that uh, the Gamecocks have faced. It's, it's really got a lot of issues. You know, really, they don't protect well, all, all that good stuff. But, um, yeah, I, I thought the defensive line controlled – the line of scrimmage for South Carolina. I mean, the, the defense wasn't perfect. I mean, and the Aggies, but the Aggies, again, players, they got a lot of good players. I mean, you know, they're going to make some plays. Haynes King looked rattled from the time he got out there till the time he was benched. I thought the freshman that they put in Wagman was just uh, a little bit better, but I mean, he's a true freshman in his first game. Wow. What an environment to shove him into. Right. Yeah. Uh, and he's just out there playing, you know, when you ever, you put a freshman quarterback in, you scaled everything back. You're, you're running like four different plays that he can run and tell them just to make one read and take off. Um, but yeah, South Carolina's D line for the last two weeks has looked like Chris. I think what we all expected when guys like Pickens and Birch were recruited and Hemingway and, and Boogie Huntley, uh, you know, when that we brought these defensive linemen into the program, you, you think, you know, because that was kind of during the Spurrier era, how good was South Carolina's defensive front? It was elite, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, you kind of – it kind of reminds you of, of those defensive performances back then. You know, good secondary, uh, good defensive line, um, and really getting improved linebacker play too. I thought Brad Johnson actually played his best game on Saturday night. So uh, I think that's uh, that's that's promising. And you mentioned Stone Blanton. I'm going to tell you this right now. Stone Blanton is going to be an outstanding football player at the University of South Carolina when all is said and done. People will remember his name as long as he can stay healthy, keep developing, that kind of thing. Uh, I think he's, you know, you, you talked about the just getting the sense that the offense is on the verge. Uh, it, I don't know if it'll happen completely by the end of this year, but I think Stone Blanton's right on the verge too. So, you know, hats off to Clayton White. I, I felt after we talked about the Charlotte game, Chris, uh, on the show here, I felt like this defense, the first three games, did not necessarily attack mm-hmm. like like it like like Clayton White's defenses do. I thought the second half of Charlotte, they said, "All right, we're not going to sit back here and we're going to go after this team." Uh, and then they went after Kentucky, and then they went after A and M, and I think that that changes the whole dynamic on defense because you've got such a good defensive line, they're disrupting, and that makes things so much easier for your linebackers 
and your secondary uh, to sit there, tip passes, you know, errant throws, rush throws, that kind of thing. Uh, I know Carolina didn't get any sacks against the Aggies, but man, almost every pass play, they affected the passer. Uh, and you talk to coaches, they're like, well, sacks are a little overrated because, you know, you, you certainly would love to get sacks, but as long as you're affecting the passer, that's uh, that, that's kind of the, uh, you know, the, the, the name of the game. And I think Carolina's doing a masterful job of that right now. Uh, and they're going to have to, you know, do that against Missouri. And I, and I think, you know, you talk about the big plays this defense has made that's turned that – they've turned things into points, you know. Brady Cook, <laughs> they're, they're, Missouri's quarterback, is very shaky on the road. Uh, this environment Missouri's coming into Saturday is unlike any environment they played in this year. And people are like, well, they played at Florida and Auburn. How do you say that? Well, those were two noon kickoffs. Yeah. I don't know if anybody's watched an Auburn game lately. It's like watching paint dry, man. <laughs> uh, and, and they're going to get a new coach, and that'll change. And Auburn historically is difficult. So is Florida. But noon kickoffs at those two places in kind of an ugly up-and-down game, you know, it's not going to be as rocket as williams Bryce. Kansas State has a great environment. They played out there second game of the year. It was also an 11 a.m. Central time kickoff. Uh, K-State boat raced them. 40 to 12. Um, I think Missouri's a little bit better now than they were. K-State's an option team. That's a special prep for a defense and stuff like that. But I, I will say that, uh, you know, you look at the D-line in this matchup Saturday, and, and if you can force passing, obvious passing downs, uh, I think this, these, this group can eat for the third straight week and probably will eat against Vandy again and, you know, they go to the swamp and see what happens. Yeah, and JC, it's as simple as if you win the line of scrimmage, you're going to win the game. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the SEC, Boom. right? Yeah. It's, it's as we've said before, it's cliche because it's true. Uh, JC, Beamer ball to the freaking moon, right? Special teams yet again shows itself as uh, an area where the Gamecocks are able to win that facet. You know, outside of just the kickoff return for a touchdown, uh, Kai Kroger is a weapon in the punt game. And you know, again, I understand it's not sexy, it's not flashy. You and I talked about this this morning. But the fact of the matter is this, and I, not something, it doesn't really bother me because I understand, but I, I hear folks and I see folks a lot of times saying, you know, oh, South Carolina's getting bailed out by their special teams. Well, they're winning that phase of the game. I mean, what, you know, it, it's not like, it's not like the teams we've played, I feel like have just been just terrible in special teams and they're, they're giving us things. Carolina's taking it. And if, yeah. if the opponent's going to allow you to take that facet, right, we, we talk all the time, JC, if you can win two out of three facets, Great shot to win. Obviously, you win all three. You win the football game. If you can steal that one, why wouldn't you? So, I mean, I, I just – I look at it this way. I more so give credit to Shane Beamer and Pete Limbo to the extremely, you know, superior job they've done versus, oh, well, you know, Carolina's just getting lucky on special teams. And I know you can't make a living banking on kickoff returns and punt returns and block punts because, you know, those things aren't always going to happen, but – you got momentum in that facet in that phase. And I, and I don't think that's something that should be taken lightly or certainly taken for granted. Absolutely. You made a brilliant point uh, earlier on, on our show, Chris, that uh, I actually was thinking about last night. I was, I was sitting out at dinner and it dawned on me. This South Carolina team looks a lot like some of those Virginia tech teams. Frank Beamer used to coach, you know, where you'd, you'd sit there and yeah, maybe they'd have a bad game or two early on. Then they figured out they're blocking punts and rushing the passer and, lunch pail defense and, you know, uh, running the ball on offense, w w you know, effectively and all that, you know, pe people forget Michael Vick was only there three years and that was special, but they won a lot of games other ways too. Um, 
So I, I, you know, I agree with that. This, this does look like one of his dad's teams in a lot of ways, and, and his dad's teams knew how to win. Um, I think that as far as luck goes, you, you don't get – there's times you get lucky in spe- on special teams, man. Uh, you know, the other team misses a field goal or whatever. But Pete Limbo, you know, I can – how do I best describe him? The Steve Spurrier of special teams? Um he's 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 so smart because you know he'll he'll go in every week he scouts the other team uh and and what what happens when they do things like the the sudden two-point conversion what he's looking for is a look you know okay so they're you know uh, extra point block team they're deficient right here because that you know when you run fakes what you want to do is catch them because you can't cover everything uh catch them where what are they not covering um and so then he checks into it and there you go two-point conversion you check into a fake field goal uh, they check into it, fake punt, you know, uh, Kai Kroger can obviously throw the football. So it's, uh, uh, you know, that he sets all that up during the week. And sometimes we don't see it because maybe he doesn't get the look, you know, maybe they've covered it or something like that. Uh, but he sets all those fakes and blocks and things like that up. Um, and, and that's awesome. And then, you know, you, you talk about the punt block team and things like that. Shane Beamer is absolutely right. That helps your return. Because teams can't set up returns when they're worried about getting the key guys back to keep it from getting blocked. Um, and so that's good. I also think this recruiting is uh, is important on special teams because you need athletes. And, and what they do with their walk-on program, uh, King Demarion Ford, walk-on kid from Blythewood, 6'2", 210-pound safety. I don't know how, like, your Coastals and Furmans of the world didn't want this kid, you know, because he, he's actually a really good player. Well, he's a great athlete. So you get in there and get your athletes involved. Sometimes you get your starters involved. You know, you got Xavier Leggett out there making that. Marshawn Lloyd playing on special teams. You know, you've got uh, a buy-in all the way around it. And, and the third thing you have to do in, in, to have good special teams is you have to work on it. You know, there's been I mean, the previous coach here, Will Muschamp, worked on it, you know, and, and Carolina was not like they are now, but they, they were pretty solid. You know, Coach Spurrier – they didn't really spend a whole lot of time, you know. They, 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 they oh, shoot, just to send the kick. Now, the, Spur always had great kickers and really good punters because mm-hmm. the kickers and punters just sit over on that other field and punt all day, right? Mm-hmm. And he's over there just, oh, shoot, we're going to dial up some ball plays, you know. And uh, and they didn't work on it. They, had a bunch, they, had put, they put walk-ons out there, and that's why, you know, Vanderbilt in 2014 returned two kickoffs for a touchdown mm-hmm. and things like that. Hey, I love Coach Spurrier, and that's fine, however he wants to work it, you know. But uh, – and some coaches don't emphasize it's my point. So to be good at it, you have to emphasize it, practice it. You have to have athletes in depth. And so you got to recruit well. And that means evaluating good walk-ons, getting athletes in your program uh, to where they can go play. And then you have to have buy-in. And it helps to have an evil genius uh, special teams coach. And just to be honest, you know, Pete Limbo is, is really, really good at coaching it. So the, all those things have factored in. And I, I don't think it, it, luck, luck has nothing to do with Xavier Leggett getting bottled up on the sideline and refusing to go down, keeping his legs moving like he should. He probably shouldn't have even cut over there, but he did, and then scoring a touchdown. Luck has nothing to do with King Demarion Ford rolling through and blocking a punt or what happened against Georgia State earlier this year. That's effort. That's athleticism. That's coaching. That's scheme. That's teamwork. That's buy-in. None of those things have anything to do with luck. Um, you know, you get Kentucky – point the field goal right that may be luck you know but that's uh, that, that's the only lucky part 
of Carolina's performance uh, in that phase of the game or facet of the game this year. You want to know how we know this is a Beamer team? Is because we just spent 10 minutes talking about special teams. Not Probably it. not many other shows out there that are talking about special teams the way we are, but that, that, that is a good hey, thing for sure. It gets me fired up. Like, you know, in, in Pete Limbo's yeah, interview it. yesterday, it was just amazing. I mean, that guy, you know, what a good individual and, and what, a, what a guy that kind of embraces what Beamer uh, and really the athletics department and Carolina Gamecock Nation, whatever you want to call it, the dream and, and, and the goal and the uh, what they want this program to be about, Chris, uh, you know, he embodies that. And I, I thought that was that was that was a special. We don't get many special media moments. And, you know, the, the O.C.'s press conference caused a lot of angst and consternation. Poor Clayton White, he can't cause any controversy, you know, <laughs> but uh, but Limbo's was, was special. I thought I thought it was uh, it was a special moment media wise yesterday. Now, JC, you look at this game against Missouri, and and I labeled it over the summer as the most important game of this season. Just when I was evaluating, yeah, just when I was evaluating the season, I felt like you know when I look at most important, I think of like what's the game you can't lose and have a successful Mm -hmm. year. And when I looked at all of the streaks, you know, certainly there were many that stood out. But you know, this three-game losing streak to Mizzou, I I think a lot of fans and you know myself included, kind of throw Mizzou or maybe if unfairly before the year. But anyways, throw them in the bucket of like Vandy and Kentucky where it's like this is a team you need to beat on a year-in, year-out basis. Obviously joined the league back in 2012, and and uh, they actually lead the all-time series against you. And then Eli Drinkwins hasn't lost to the Gamecocks. That includes a win 2019 against Appalachian State. Again, whether you want to debate going in this game this weekend, is it still the most important? You know, if you keep winning, they keep getting more important, right, for sure. Mm-hmm. But um, – you know, just talk about the overall landscape of this matchup and the importance of it. Because I think, you know, for, for SEC East hierarchy purposes and, and just ending a really nasty streak, it, it, it's, it's, it's pivotal you get this victory. Uh, because, again, even if you lose to Mizzou hypothetically, you know, I think you're still going to make a bowl game. You could still go 7-5. and five, but, but it's going to leave a real black mark on this season if you can't find a way at home, homecoming, you're favored, you're finally back in the top 25 to put on one of your best performances of the season and find a way to win this game. Yeah, it sounds crazy to say uh, th- this game could end up being a lot like the Troy game last year. People are going to be like, well, wait a minute, Troy's not in the SEC. But uh, if you're kind of looking for who Missouri kind of can remind you of, it, it, you know, Troy was really good on defense um, last season and, and wasn't their normal selves on offense. And, you know, hopefully there's a better outcome in that one. And, you know, if somebody picks up a fumble, they won't fumble it at the one-yard line <laughs> like uh, Jamar, Jamar Brown did last year. But, uh, I, uh, yeah, I, I look at it as a must-win. And I thought that for a while because, you know, it's one thing when, you know, you have a long losing streak to Texas A&M, right? A&M recruits, whether or not they're living up their potential or not, they recruit well, they recruit in the top ten, they're a big, powerful Texas program, you know, uh, it's ugly. That's fine. You know, Kentucky kind of gets on people's nerves. Um, but if you look at the last four games, uh, that streak's kind of starting to turn back. The Gamecocks are two and two and probably should have had it in 2021 as well. And Kentucky's going through their best stretch of football uh, since Bear Bryant coached there, right? Uh, so you just live with it. It's like when teams used to lose to the Gamecocks. Well, it's their best stretch of football ever, you know. Right. Um, Missouri, it's not been. <laughs> that's not uh, – you know, the, these last two Missouri teams, and I thought they, I, I thought Mizzou overachieved in, in the during the pandemic year, winning five SEC games. 
certainly thought they uh, Eli Drinkwitz did a really good job there. I thought last year heading in, everybody's like, well, Missouri's going to contend. And then they kind of fell on their face with a historically bad defense. And then this year he's kind of fixed his defense, but his offense and all that good. They're not very good. I mean, it's just not a, and it's not historically a program. Gary Pinkle did a great job there winning divisions in the big 12 and then, in something that sticks in Gamecock fans crawls a bit, won two divisions uh, in the SEC. But, but you know, Gary Pinkle's gone. And historically, Missouri is not a very good football program. They have one of the largest journalism schools and best journalism schools in the country. So a lot of folks, like back when I was in the newspaper business, there's a ton of Missouri grads out there working in sports journalism. Uh, and uh, it's kind of a, a, a running joke with all those guys, right? <laughs> Mizzou football. So, uh, you know, I, I I think this is one, you know, there's a trophy for this game, right? <laughs> uh, you know, a second straight trophy game. Uh, the You know, you play them every year. You really had, Carolina really had their number the first uh, seven meetings, um, you know, against them. You beat them out there in 2013. Uh, beating them pretty badly in their first ever SEC road game in 2012. Um, Muschamp was three and zero, started three and zero against Missouri. Um, you know, and and that's that's one of the things, unfortunately, that the last three or four years has has kind of slipped away. And Shane's reversed a lot of these things. You know, Shane ended a two game losing streak in openers. Now he's on a win streak. Uh, Shane, uh, Carolina had lost their win streak against teams from North Carolina. Shane's 2-0 and against them. You know, they ended the A&M streak. He ended the streak at Kentucky. You know, and there's just all these things, these little – they seem small, but they all add up to a big-picture trajectory, right, uh, that, that he's turned around, and this is the next one. Last year's loss at Missouri was – you know, I, I kept going back and forth, and, and I think I wrote that the worst loss was Clemson just because I thought the defense did not show up for whatever reason in that one. I mean, you hold DJ to 99 passing yards and you get run all over in your own place. And uh, I think we all knew points being scored were going to be hard that night. Uh, but that Missouri game was tough, too, because Carolina had just come off a, a, a surprisingly good blowout of Florida. So you go out there, you know, you, you ran all over Florida. They have a terrible run defense and you only put up 250 yards. And, you know, they basically tried to give you the ball game and, and, and you didn't take it. So that's something that I know. Uh, the coaching staff uh, last year was not happy about. <laughs> they, they felt like they let one get away there. Um, and I, I think that the, you know, the players will, will kind of understand that. Uh, like I said, this is the toughest environment Missouri's played in all year, uh, at least since Kansas State. So, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, for all those reasons, this game has a, a bunch of importance. And I, and I hope that, you know, I, I feel certain the crowd's going to show up. It's going to be loud. Um, and, and it's going to be a, a situation where, you know, if Carolina plays well and even, even you know, they have to play their best, not not their very best, but their best, uh, they'll walk away with a win. Yeah, like you said, JC, you can debate what was the worst loss of last year. Yeah. And, and, and it, it was probably the most inexcusable. I, I would put it that way. Yeah, it, made, I, I, it just I made like no it. sense. It made I no was sense. not happy, you know, with yeah. that one. <laughs> yeah, it made no sense. Um, I'll ask you this, JC, about this game because I posed this question a little bit earlier to our listeners and in regards to what, if anything, concerns you, I guess, about Mizzou. And so I'll pose the question to you. Is there – what are the things that concern you about the matchup with Mizzou? Or does this game – or does your concern more so stem from the question of can South Carolina get out of their own way offensively? Because when, when I talk to people – I don't even know that it's like, oh, man, you know. And we know that they got a solid defense. And 
But I don't think people look at Mizzou and they're like intimidated by what the Tigers are bringing to Willie B. The concern more so lies with South Carolina themselves, you know, of is the offense going to stub their toe again and make things difficult on us? And it's going to be a situation where, you know, maybe this is a week where you're even in the special teams category or you play good defense, but you don't get that game-changing pick or fumble recovery or that big play. Will the offense be able to get out of their own way and go win a game if they're asked to? Where, where, where do you fall in that? Is there anything Mizzou does? Or are you more so concerned with just can the Gamecocks do what they need to do to, do to get it done? I, I'm concerned. They do present some concerns. A guy named Cody Schrader, okay? Uh, these are the types of guys that uh, can help you turn a season around, right? This, this guy runs. He, he wasn't – Nathaniel Pete was a Stanford transfer, was a starting running back. Last week they took him out and put this kid in. This kid has six carries for 89 yards against Georgia. All right, he's a fifth or six-year guy from St. Louis, Missouri, uh, balled out at a place called Truman State, <laughs> a D2, I think a D2 program. Got in the portal. Missouri took him. He is a daggum load. He runs and runs and runs. And Carolina's run defense has been good at, you know, limiting guys like Rodriguez and A-Chain and all that. Uh, but my hope is that the coaching staff, uh, Clayton White and his guys, have emphasized this dude can kill you. And 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 if you look at Eli Drinkwitz's offense, uh, he loves to dink and dunk on the perimeter and all that good stuff and run wide. But, this, but he also likes to run it right at you. You know, he did that with Tyler Beatty last year. I'm sure that's what they're going to do. They're going to try to line up and run with this kid and keep the Gamecocks offense off the field, wear down the Gamecocks defense, and not get in a situation where the defensive line has to, you know, you have to counteract uh, these guys, you know, in the passing game and depend on Brady Cook. So that, 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 that guy concerns me. Obviously, a talent like Luther Bolden, um, would concern you. Um, I also think Tyrone Hopper, uh, who, you know, Carolina almost had him out of high school. He went to Florida, got in the portal. Now he's a, their leading tackler uh, out there. He's a South Carolina native, you know, grew up in Gaffney. Uh, he's coming home. Trey John Jeffcoat from Irmo is coming home, the all-ACC defensive end they have. They have a lot to prove. You know, there's just some individual pieces there that could be problematic for the Gamecocks that maybe don't get the, oh, you got to stop A-Chain, or, oh, you got to stop Rodriguez, or, oh, you got to stop Barry and Brown uh, of the last few weeks. So that th those are the concerns, is because I do think that they have some really nice players. and They, ha they haven't gotten over the hump victory-wise, you know, and, and, you know, they, they had a loss to Auburn that would make your head explode if it happened to the Gamecocks. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you, you, you really need to watch it and, and make sure you go out there and, and don't, don't take them lightly. Uh, because they do have the weapons to come in and, and, and potentially have a better day than they had against Vandy uh, on offense or whatever. Uh, and then we all know about their defense. It's, it's pretty good as well. So there, there's some parts there at Missouri that, that I like uh, and that would concern me from a game cost perspective. JC, the cocks are hot. Cocktober is in full effect. Cocktober. Cocktober is in full effect, indeed. Missouri is a football team that, you can look at it one of two ways. You know, they're, they're just on the edge. They're due for a breakout performance. They've been close in their SEC games. You can also look at it as they found ways to lose games. South Carolina on the flip side, you could say, oh, they've been cheating death and getting lucky and special teams and uh -oh. defense has been bailing out. You can also look at it as Carolina's been finding ways to win games. So when the dust settles, how do you see this one playing out? Does Cocktober continue on Saturday afternoon? 
I, I'm going to say this. I, I'm going to say that, uh, you know, I think that there's going to probably be some moments early, uh, not necessarily on offense, uh, you know, on, on defense where, where you go, oh, man, Gamecocks could be in trouble. Uh, it it kind of reminds me of one of those games where, where everybody's sort of like a little nervous, you know, about it. Uh, I know in 07, when I was actually in Columbia, covering the team from the press box, which, thank goodness, I don't have to do that anymore. Uh, you know, but uh, Mississippi State came to town. And, and it's funny because Ellis Johnson was the D coordinator there and had the booth right next to me. And, boy, uh, if you ever want to hear some colorful language, sitting near Ellis during a, 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 a football game he's calling. But, uh, you know, Spurrier made mention of it. You know, he's like, I watched him on film. This team's really good. I'm scared. He said, I'm scared. He said, I am scared to death. Uh, on the radio, on his radio show. Well, Carolina came out there. There were some scary moments early, but Gamecocks ended up pulling away 38-21. You know, and so to me, it's that kind of game, kind of maybe similar to Missouri in 2016 after the big win over Tennessee. And Carolina's got to get bowl eligible. They come in, they're not very good, but they still have Drew Locke. And that was a back and forth game for a while before Jake Bentley and the Gamecocks won. You know, that kind of matchup. So I'm thinking, and I'll drop my prediction here on your show since I did it last Thursday. I'm just going to start doing that. Uh, I'm going to say 21 to 10 Gamecocks. I, I don't know that it'll get high scoring. Um, I'm with you. This offense is about to break out. Uh, maybe we'll see a big play in the passing game. Maybe we won't. Uh, I, I'm just going to kind of give credit to the Missouri D uh, and say that they're, they're going to cause some trouble, but uh, it'll be one of those games where sort of their offense will do things early and then sputter, uh, and the Gamecocks eventually will pull away for a low, lower scoring-ish double-digit win. Punching bowl eligibility before the month of November. That sounds like a good thing to me. Good idea. JC, before we get you out of here, finally on the recruiting side of things, I would imagine that atmosphere at Williams-Brice Stadium was felt by all of those recruits in attendance. Uh, just anything new, what you're hearing from the recruiting side of things for Shane Beamer and company? Very interesting visitors list last week. Eight of the top 100 prospects in the country per 24-7 sports composite for the class of 2024 were in Williams-Brice Stadium. Uh, and they all had great things to say. Now, 2024 is down the road. I don't know that they'll get all these guys or whatnot, but uh, what you want to do uh, with a younger recruit is plant that seed, keep him coming back, keep his family coming back, to show him, hey, wow, this is a big-time program here. Uh, so that was good. Um, they had a kid in, Terrence Love, that's committed to Auburn that they're trying to flip out of Atlanta. Uh, they have a running back that's committed to Kentucky. They're trying to flip out of Alabama named Riley. Uh, that's a, a bigger back, probably will remind you of Brandon Wilds a little bit, um, Rashad Amos maybe, um, and they're trying to flip him. Uh, you know, this kid, DJ Chester, four-star offensive lineman from Georgia, just showed up on a whim. <laughs> yeah, hey, I want to come to the game. And uh, and so, that you know, they're trying to get back in it with him. You know, so I I, I thought it was a really interesting uh, list of visitors in terms of, so you got, you got flip candidates, and then you're also laying – Massive groundwork for you know, Chris. I don't know. I don't know if a lot of people realize this. In the state of South Carolina, in the 2024 cycle, you have two franchise offensive tackles in Cam Pringle and Josiah Thompson, and Carolina is looking good for. But I mean, those, those, those are the types of offensive linemen you normally see Alabama and Georgia get, or Texas, or somebody like that. Um, and, and so they're laying groundwork there. Uh, they're in on a lot of kids out of the D.C. area. Again, Dylan Stewart's a four-star defensive end for 2024. This next, this this class 2023 is in the top 15. Probably will end up, I think, anywhere from 13-ish to 20-ish uh, in the country. 
uh, and they're sixth in the SEC, which is always good. You always want to be on that top half. But I think 2024, Chris, could be that class you look at and go, wow, you know, this, this, these guys, you know, this is a transformational uh, class for a program. And a lot of times it is your third cycle or your fourth cycle where you get that type of group together. You know, I, I think, I think 2021, they did what they could. You still have some nice players like Juju McDowell and Amari Brown you brought in, David Spalding. Uh, 2022, they love everybody they signed, you know, and you got Nick and Warre, DQ Smith out there playing, uh, a lot of defensive backs, you know. This 2023 class obviously is top 15 linemen heavy, uh, but 2024 could be across the board, you know, just a special, special cycle. Uh, and these guys can all recruit. They always have great plans. Uh, their kids, the kids love the visit. Taylor Edwards does an outstanding job uh, with that, running all that. And, um, you know, it couldn't have really gone any better uh, from a recruiting aspect Saturday night. Love to hear it. J.C. Sherbert of the Big Spur inside the Gamecocks does a fantastic job. And check me out on Inside the Gamecocks every Thursday, 1130. We chat, talk South kind of football. You guys know the drill. J.C., always a pleasure, man. Really excited for the weekend. Always excited to chat with you and appreciate you bringing the heat as always, my friend. We'll do it again next week. All right, Chris. Thanks, man. See you guys. Yeah, man. Take care. Great stuff from J.C. Sherbert, and we feed right into uh, 2 o'clock. My bad, Thomas. I just saw your comment about Lenora Sellers. Uh, I'll shoot uh, I'll, ju- I'll shoot J.C. a text, and we'll, we'll I'll update you on tomorrow's show. Uh, I do apologize. I normally have, like, the comments blocked. So I'm able to just lock in on J.C. or the guest or whatever they're saying. Uh, but great stuff there, man, from J.C. Sherbert. He's got the Gamecocks winning 21 to 10. How about that? A little bit of a – a lower scoring game. Hammer the under, he says. Hammer the under. Um, guys, what a day. What a day. Uh, we got a text here. Let's see. Texter chimes in with a question or a comment. He says, while we are on special teams, shouldn't we have kicked a field goal into the game instead of going for it? I thought that was a bad call. So, you know what's funny about that? Because people have asked me, guys, I, maybe I'm as, you know, much to, to not to blame, but Dude, I, I was so on cloud nine. I had locked up the W. I, I was hardly like, I, I was paying attention, but I, I was like, oh, we're just running out clock, whatever. Like, I wasn't even thinking about it. So, that's that's my bad. <laughs> I guess that's I guess that's my bad. I guess I should have been more aware of myself in that moment. But I was, I was so on cloud nine because I was like, dude, we just locked this up. We're done. We're done. We got it. We got it. We secured victory. Um. You know, and I guess when you win, those type of things aren't aren't talked about. They don't stand out. But, you know, hopefully a learning experience. I'm sure a learning experience for all parties involved. And, uh, you know, so, you know, definitely something to keep in mind, I guess, moving forward. But, yeah, no, Lady Bree, these sessions are not pre-recorded. They are not pre-recorded. Um, we do this live. I just normally, like I said, I block out the chat just so because I, I'll find myself talking with the guest and then looking at the chat and back and forth and I'm losing my, I want to be as present moment as possible with the guest, but no, nothing, nothing on here. Lady Bree is pre-recorded. It's all live. It's all live. So guys, again, we're about to hit two o'clock. I just want to say thank y'all so much for the banter, the engagement, the calls, the comments, of course, thank you to JC Sherbert. Um, Guys, I can say this. I, you know, I, I really do mean this, that, this is an absolute blast, and I love doing the daily grow on a day-in, day-out basis. I mean, I, I truly look forward to this every single day. Um, it's such a blessing that I get to wake up and do this and chat with you guys, and you guys obviously bring the heat. We have, we have, I think, productive banter and conversation, and it's just awesome. It's just awesome. I love it. I love it, truly. Um, 
Again, podcast will drop tomorrow. It'll be a full breakdown and preview. And my prediction for the game Saturday against Mizzou, uh, all that much more will be a really, really good time, guys. Of course, stay tuned to everything. TSUS tailgate Saturday at Seawells. And, of course, content bleeding out the eyeballs. Also, we got our Big Cock Club hangout tonight at 7.30. If you have not joined, patreon.com slash Club. You can join our Discord, and we'll hang out in the Discord. We'll watch a little football. We'll talk a little business. Just talk a little talk a little ball. Shoot the shit. Have a good time. Maybe drink a couple of Rebel Rabbits. Why not? Guys, appreciate you all tuning in. Thank you all so much. Have a great rest of your Thursday, and we will talk to you all tomorrow.